Hello, and welcome to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. My name is Carrie Vasquez, and I'm a relationship coach and strategist. But most importantly, I am a Jesus lover. I'm a wife, a mom to five children, and a grandmom. Each week, I'll be here with a guest or a message to help you love yourself deeper, fall in love again, and restore your relationships with God and others. Now let's get started. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode on Rebuilding Relationships. This episode today is going to be on domestic abuse, so I do want to give you a heads up. Uh, This could be a trigger for you if you or someone uh, you loved or someone close to you has endured any form of abuse. So I do want to give you a trigger warning. Um, So just make a wise decision uh, when... uh, when listening, if you need a support system um, or you need someone with you, I just encourage you to think that through. Uh, this episode is about this amazing young lady who has um, overcome and continues to overcome uh, her struggles with um, living a life that had a lot of abuse in it starting from childhood. Um, I I hope and I pray that this episode would serve you, um, that it would empower you, that it would, um, if nothing else, at least shed light and and bring knowledge and some knowledge and understanding to the topic of abuse and um, what unfortunately some people um, endure in relationships. So um, most importantly, um, I hope that this would give you some insight on um, just seeing how this young lady rebuilt her life um, even after being um, really torn down down so many times, Um, and she continues to do it. Uh, But in order to also just protect her, I decided after the episode was recorded not to to share her identity. So um, I did go ahead and remove her name from the episode uh, with her approval, of course. And, uh, and I just felt it was best um, as she is still um, in, in the area and around people um, uh, that have been in her life um, previously. Um, So Again, I just hope that this episode would serve you. I will be having the domestic abuse hotline at the end of the show, and it's also in the show notes. Um, Please understand that no one, and I mean no one, ever deserves to have any form or to deal with any form of abuse, um, whether it be physically, mentally, emotional abuse, financial abuse. Um, It has no room or no space in a relationship, um, it's it's not love. So I just encourage you, um, if if you have dealt with or are dealing with it or know of someone, um, I would just encourage you to seek out professional help in the matter. Um, and as for this episode, I just hope that it that it serves you um, and just helps you in rebuilding yourself. 
And the final note that I will leave you with is this episode was recorded while my guest was in the city of Nairobi. So you will hear a lot of just natural city sounds in the background, um, horns and honking and sirens, things of that nature. So uh, just go ahead and enjoy the natural recording of the episode. Um, But Again, thank you so much for listening to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. And welcome to another episode of Rebuilding Relationships podcast. I am so excited once again to have everyone here, and I am super excited today and honored to have Nairobi, Africa from Kenya, all the way from the other side of the world for me because I am here in the U.S. So it's really truly an honor um, to have you here with us today. And we're going to be talking on a topic that is, um, it's a difficult one, but it's one that um, is so important. And I really wanted to have this conversation to bring awareness, uh, to help women out there that are struggling with um, and dealing with domestic abuse. Um, This is a topic that um, I think is so important in uh, in the rebuilding um, process and the rebuilding journey of relationships because uh, it's something that breaks down um, that breaks down individuals that are dealing with it. So I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being willing to, um, to even have this conversation because it's not an easy one. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Kari. I'm excited to be part of this show and, uh, I'm even more excited to find someone all the way in the other world that understands what I'm going through and resonates with my topic. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So let's dive right in. I always like to get started with conversation about you yourself, how you got, you know, how your life started, because so many times, um, especially when it comes to domestic abuse, um, if we look back to our childhood, we can kind of see some, some signs or some things that kind of started there, not always. Right. But, um, but I think it's a great place to start. And, uh, before we go on, I always, especially for shows like this, and I do put it in um, my show notes, but I always like to say I am not a, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor. I am a certified coach, and I love to help give advice, give tips, um, and just really help people transform their lives. But I always tell all of my guests and um, that they should seek medical advice or professional um, advice from a licensed therapist if they need it. Uh, But this show is really just for the purpose of bringing awareness, helping, uh, giving tips and advice to help people transform their own lives. So I like to give that disclaimer first. (laughs) But let's go ahead and dive in and tell me about what was life for you growing up? Let's start there. Sure. Thank you for the disclaimer, first off, because, well, many people tend to confuse that and take it forward, which 
yeah, it's not healthy sometimes. I am from Nairobi, Kenya. And um, how life was like growing up for me was tough. You said something that with domestic abuse, it usually stems from your childhood. And I actually agree with that. Because my father was abusive. And I had a very, I would say my mother was very empathetic. And I remember so many times as a kid, like um, five years old, but I clearly remember my mom packing clothes every, almost every day. Like we'd pack up our stuff and just go to my grandmother's house. And then two days later, we are back to my dad's house. So I didn't like it very much as a child. And I was very defensive since childhood. I just didn't like if anyone got into my space because I thought, you know what? It's already messed up anyways. Like my mom hits my, my dad hits my mom. Then my mom packs us up. We go there and come back. And like nobody puts food on my table. No one gives me shelter. No one gives me clothing. So for me, from a very young age, I knew that no one is ever going to come into my life and just make things okay. So then I lost my mom at a very young age also. I was like six. I don't even recall very clearly. I lost my mom at six. And so then uh, let's use six years old. Then I had to live with my father and I have two sisters. It was pretty tough because now the abuse that was directed to my mother is now directed to us. He would make us cook, he would make us clean, and he would go for weeks, and we don't know where my father is. And um, it was very sad. I wished death on him so many times. So much so that at 13 years old, I my father remarried, and I didn't like that lady because she was our help. And after marriage, she changed up her whole lifestyle and couldn't do anything in the house because now she's a boss lady. I hated that. But once my father came home drunk and was hitting her, and I remember taking a high-heeled shoe and hitting my father with it to let go of that woman because I just hated it. I thought, no one deserves to be beaten. No one, like, regardless. But then, then my dad, like, died when I was 14. Yeah, when I was 14, my dad died. I was happy at first because uh, finally the abuse is gone. Yes. But then reality sunk in at some point. So I got miserable and depressed. And then also with that, I kind of just pushed it back. I just like pushed it to the back of my mind and let go of it. Just thinking, you know what? Ah, yeah. So now I have to live life by myself and that's never going to happen to me. Weirdly, I, I lived life safe, I would say, from abuse, mainly physical abuse. But being an orphan, of course, there was abuse from, you know, like younger kids at school making fun of you because you don't have a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. But I had made acceptance with that because I can't bring them back. Right. So first forward to, well, actually, that was my childhood because you asked what my childhood was about. Yes. So a lot of abuse. And then often, and then more abuse, but now more subtle abuse because I was a grown-up. Yeah. Right, right. Wow, wow, wow. Um, your story is is really one that 
I think it, it, the part that amazes me is that you are here to talk about it and your strength was something that stood out to me when we first talked. And that to me, um, was just, it was so amazing. I, I was even more honored because, uh, I think so many people that deal with what you have dealt with just in childhood alone, um, they either a don't make it out, um, and, and then don't make it out uh, successfully, right? They deal with a lot of, um, mental illness or different struggles throughout their entire lives. And well, that's you, true. yeah. And you yeah, have been true. able to have a career and, and work and, and have a life right now, um, that not many women, let's say would be able to have in a situation or having a life or an upbringing that you had. So I just, I first and foremost honor you for your strength, uh, to just be the woman to, you know, that you've become. But I, I think I would like to, I would like to add in something to that. Thank you very much for admiring my strength, which, I find it very difficult to believe in sometimes. But yeah, uh, to mention on that um, difficulty of overcoming this hard life and hardship, I actually did suffer depression at 19, 18 to 19. I had a nervous breakdown. It was really bad. It was really bad because I had come up with this attitude where I just don't talk about it and yeah, act like everything is okay. But then at some point I couldn't take it and my brain just, for months, I had to be home. I, and then it came about with meningitis. Mm. So then I couldn't walk, I couldn't see properly, I couldn't talk properly. Yeah, for, for a whole year I was recovering. So it wasn't yeah. just so easy overcoming everything and everything just, yeah, there was some hardship sure. to it Oh, I'm sure I, I can only imagine. And I think it's it's really our brain's way of protecting us, right? To an extent yeah. um, when we are so overwhelmed and so overcome. But I think yeah. you we all go through a period of when we um, have these challenges that they might overcome us for a period of time. But then again, going back to the fact that you are now an overcomer and you have yeah. been able to, you know... Uh, to really fight that, right, and get through that. So, yeah, that's amazing. I'm so then, I just hated all that, and I wanted to act like none of it existed. So during my depression, I had to accept that yes, mm-hmm. my father was wealthy, but that's no more. My father was an abuser, but he's still my dad. I can't change that. And yeah, I don't have a mom. It's fine. So if someone calls me an orphan, that's fine. And at that time, I was living with my cousins, who also were very. I don't know. I don't know how to use a kind of word that maybe would not implicate, but they were not so nice because they would go for vacation and they would buy nice clothes and go to nice places. But then, it was for them because that's their family. So we were so outcast. At that time, I was living with one of my sisters in that family. So then I accepted that, yes, they're just my cousins. I owe them no responsibility, like, to check with them if they do, if they go for holiday, if they go for shopping, they have no responsibility whatsoever for me. Mm -hmm. And um, then I heard this, 
African African saying that mm-hmm. even chickens chew away other chicks that are not theirs. So mm-hmm. I thought of it like mother hen will will uh, will fend off the other mm-hmm. hen. So then I looked at myself as an outcast hen because this mother hen has to take care of her nest. I cannot just expect them to take care of my nest. Then the other thing, because at that point I was struggling with going to campus. I was 19, healed, and I have no way of going into campus. So mm-hmm. I remember that I just straight up told my family, you know what, you guys, you owe me no responsibility. So I am going to seek my way and I am going to use the little money that I have and I'm going to enroll in college and I'm going to live with the family that you people hate. That's none of my business. Mm -hmm. And I was just so tough about it and I packed up and left. Wow. That is awesome. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Um, Oh my goodness. I'm part of me is speechless and, you know, in just listening. Um, But I loved how you said you didn't want to be a victim. That was one. You accepted what your life was, right? Um, And I think sometimes it's so hard um, and not excusing or giving anyone a pass, but it's so hard sometimes too to think or um, understand that maybe your father probably saw abuse growing up himself. So sometimes it's all people know, right? There's like the saying, hurt people, hurt people. So when you grow up and, and it's at some point, right? The hope is that someone like yourself is, is transformed and changed and breaks that, that chain, right? Of years of abuse. And, and sadly your abuse continued well beyond your father's death, right? His passing he passed, but then it sounds like your family picked up and then they picked up in the, you know, psychological and emotional abuse side of things. Um, and so, so your abuse really honestly continued on. And, um, and I think our bodies will tend to give, send us messages. You said you got meningitis. Um, you know, even though I'm sure, you know, science would say, oh, well you get it this way. But, um, I'm such a big believer that our bodies will, will have disease and illness because of stress and, um, and circumstances that we, yeah. Can I actually say something about that? Sure. I believe the same way too, because I remember before I got my meningitis and nervous breakdown, every day, you won't believe this, Kari, but every day I would wish death on myself. I would literally say, oh, why don't I just drop down here? Like, just pass out or something. Like, why don't I? And so it just, it started with a back, with a pain on my back. And I would just take like, um, I would take, uh, what do you call it, paracetamol? I would take paracetamol to cool that off and then it started with headaches. And Mm. it was just the stress. I even went to hospital and the doctor said I'm stressed. And he just said, oh yeah, you know, I think it's typhoid, but you're a little stressed also. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more of the stress. Sure. Yeah. And it's about, you know, the power of our tongue, right. And, and our words. And, you know, like you said, you were wishing death on yourself and, and that even just goes back to then you had that shift. So I got married in 2016. I was 24. 
on to my 25th year because I got married in June and I was turning 25 in October. So how did I get married? Well, so part of my part of my positive living after accepting my depression and meningitis was that I'm now going to new I'm going to live with this new auntie I have never lived with. Yes, she doesn't like me, but the fact that we are family, she has she accepted to house me so that I'm going to be a good kid. So the first step was I said no boyfriends. I had been having like when I was in high school, I'd have calls with boys and you know flirt around, but I'd never really met them. So in campus, I I don't know what it's like there, but here in campus, life really changes, and that's when we try out all the drugs and you know mm-hmm. going out clubbing and dressing in very peculiar ways. Mm-hmm. But then I'm, I'm Muslim, so first off, in my religion, it's very my religion and my culture is very conservative. Mm-hmm. Then I said, yeah, I am going to live by my guidelines. And the fact that, sorry, by the, my my religion's guidelines mm-hmm. and the fact that after healing, I decided to tap into my spirituality. So then I also really like to pray and just be conserved right. and reserved. It worked out great when I lived with this auntie. I didn't have a boyfriend. Of course, I will not act like I was this holy Mary. And no, I did kiss a few boys here and there, but <laughs> I never like had sex or anything. It was like the big right. no, like no, you cannot have sex because if I get right. pregnant, then I get chased out, and then I don't finish school, and then I don't have a life. Right. <sighs> so I, I looked around. I looked around me, and yeah. Right. So fast forward to now, how I got a boyfriend. So my campus, mm-hmm. I wasn't dating, like I was strictly not dating. And if maybe I really liked you and kiss here and there and yeah. I'd get bored, and or he would get bored because everybody wants to have sex these days. They'd be right. like, oh, this conservative girl, whatever, I will not kiss her forever. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And when you yeah. say campus, so here it's it's co- like college campus, but you're in their campus you refer to as college, correct? Well, actually, we have college and we have campus. College is the non-registered, not non-registered, but they haven't really gotten to that level where they can be called a university. Mm, so okay. we, have, we have a board that certifies a college and a okay. university. So when you go to college, you're going to college. When you go to an institution, it's college. And when you go to a university, it's campus. Okay. 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 That's different. Oh, okay. Nice. I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. It's great. It's also learning for me. Yeah. So then in campus, uh, college campus, I, I, I really did stay away from boys and all that, Mm -hmm. but it was difficult. And that's where I did the kissing. But then one, I broke my phone, the screen to my phone. And here we do a lot of phone replacement so sorry we do a lot of phone repairs instead of replacements it's cheaper so then I wanted to fix my screen and replace it I came to town our CBD the city I came to the CBD area and I was looking for someone to repair my phone and we have a lot of corn artists so then I was looking for a legit shop that you know I can come and claim and you know get value for my money so I walked into this one electronics shop and uh, 
there was a gentleman that was familiar. Mm-hmm. So then I woke up to them and they actually remember my name. And I mentioned, <laughs> oh yeah, I want to replace the screen to my phone. But um, these guys have said that they're going to get back to me in 10 minutes. So he said, no, it's a lie. Actually, we don't do that here, but I can give you a referral. and It's going to be cheaper for you. Mm-hmm. But knowing my country so well, I moved on to another shop. Mm-hmm. And I ended up finding another shop, which was very legitimate. And the, they even gave me a receipt. And there was a, they had a policy that if they don't do the repairs so well, you can return it. I was comfortable, so I paid up, and in two days, I went to get my phone. So in two days, after getting my phone, I don't know, something in me, I just went back to that shop, and I went right. to see, and I was like, oh, by the way, I fixed my phone. Yay, and they're like, how much was it? And I was like, oh, that was a good price. So right. it stopped being, uh, it's something about the phone now, because then he started texting me sometimes and just checking up on me. Sometimes he'd call. And I remember at first I wasn't comfortable because I'm thinking, well, he has a baby and I know he's baby mama. So um, <laughs> I don't want to be right. friendly about it. So right. I started ignoring his calls. Then yeah. once he sent me airtime, like uh, $3.5 worth of airtime. That's like 300 shillings here. So then... I called him right up and I was like, why are you, why are you sending me airtime? You know, like you, you don't need to do that. We, we don't know each other like that. Right. So they say, do I'm calling you. Is airtime air like phone um, time on your phone to use your cell phone? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So okay. then it's credits. Um, okay. So then, yeah. So then I called him up and I was like, ah, why are you, why are you sending me airtime? Like, you know, you don't know me like that and I don't appreciate that you're sending me airtime. So he apologizes and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's just that I've been calling and texting you and you've not been responding my calls and you're a student. So I thought, you know, yeah, let me get you some airtime. I was like, well, you're right. I'm a student. I'm broke. So I will take it, but don't ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's so he's older. He he was how much he's older? One was he? Older. Oh, okay. He's one year older. He's one year older. And also because after having his baby, he went to work. So he was already like financially stable at that point. Okay. So I'm like, oh yeah, fine. I'll take it, but don't ever do that again. <laughs> then I don't know, he was just so warm, with a nice smile, and very thoughtful. So then now it turned out every time he'd call me, I'd just respond now. Instead of ignoring now, I started responding. And then it got to a point where when I'd come to town, Mm -hmm. it's quite a distance from my school. It's like uh, an hour away from my campus and two hours away from my house then. Mm -hmm. So then when, when I'd come to town and I'm hungry and bored, because I don't really like the CBD, but now I work in the CBD, which is what we call town. So at that time, I didn't like it. So then when I'd come here, I just found myself, like, I'd call him because he worked. Then he used to work in town. Yeah, Yeah, I'd call him up, and then he'd buy me lunch, which was so dope because (laughs) I was a student and I'm broke. (laughs) So he hooked you with the airtime, right? (laughs) Yeah, it really worked. Yes. How long after that did you guys get married and and um, and been together? One year, six months. 
okay. after one year, six months. Because okay. there's actually a backstory to it. So in my mind, I accepted that he's a nice guy and everything, but I can't date him. No dating of someone who has children. So then he was just so nice. And then this me coming into town and I hate town. So then I'd call him up. We'd go for coffee. We'd talk about it. And then he ended up telling me that his relationship with his baby mama did not work out. And so they're separated. And I'd actually try to understand why. And I'd tell him, you know, a child does much better if both the mother and the father are together. And like, you guys are so young. Have you tried to work it out? So I was playing therapist. Mm-hmm. Then eventually he told me that no, the girl cheated on him and that and I could see that it's true she's moved on. Did you ever talk to the girl, to the to the mom? The no. baby's mom? Not about it. Not about okay, it. Because so then we were just friends. We were just right. friends and in my mind I was a hundred percent sure this is never going anywhere. So right. that was I met him in December twenty fifteen in that shop. Then fast forward to September 20, sorry, 2014. I met him in December 2014. Then fast forward to 2015, September. I started to realize and feel that I actually have feelings for this guy. Yes. Because each time we'd meet and he'd hug me, I'd feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was like, no, I cannot keep up with this. So it was heading towards my birthday and yeah he was so excited about my birthday i wasn't excited as much as he was right and i thought i like this guy and it, he's so excited about my birthday but i don't want him to be part of my birthday because that means so much commitment right. so then i started ignoring him i started ignoring him and then on my birthday he calls me he's like oh yeah so what are you doing today because that was in september mid-september when i realized i have feelings for this guy and my, on my birthday, he calls me during the days like, yo, so where are we going tonight? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm spending time with my family. I cannot. And because I'm Muslim and my mom's side of the family is Arab. So they're quite strict. And yeah. that, that those are the ones I was living with. So then I told him, I'm leaving. I'm having something, dinner with my family. So, yeah. So that was code for, I'm having time with my family. You can't be around. All right. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, wow, I would have really loved to spend time with you. And I'm like, and me too. It was a lie. I wasn't having dinner with my family. I was having cake at a restaurant with two of my cousins. And we were actually going out for, uh, we were going out for, um, what do I call it? A festival. I was yes. going out for a festival, our uh, electric music festival. We call it Afdan here. Mm-hmm. So then, when I went out, <laughs> yeah, so when I went out, I started thinking of how much I've lied to this guy. He's so nice because he kept on texting <laughs> me. I hope you're having fun. Uh, and each time I responded, I felt like my heart sinking. It was like, I'm lying to him. He's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> eventually at like I felt really guilty and I ended up texting him and responding to one of his messages and saying oh yeah you know actually I left dinner and it's Afghans you remember I told you about Afghans and how I wanted to go so I got a chance and I'm at Afghans uh-huh. and you won't believe this he just shows up with his friends of course <laughs> I was yeah. waiting for you to say you ran into him <laughs> 
Yeah. He shows up and he's, he just calls me. He's like, oh, yeah, so I'm here already. Like, in 20 minutes, he was there. I'm like, uh, 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 did I just find, like, yeah. an angel? Like, he just yeah. pops in when I want him to. And uh, we were, we were, I'm going to be, be very honest because this, this for me is very important. Mm-hmm. We were high. Mm-hmm. We had smoked up some marijuana. So... So at that time, you know, like you just feel all your emotions and all that. But so when I texted him, it was all that. I was just missing him because he's so caring and so nice. And at that point, he'd never touched me, he'd not kissed me, we'd not done anything. He was just so nice. He was just so nice. So when he showed up, and being that I had gone with my cousins who were with their friends, so I wasn't really like fitting in because I'm not the type to go out. Mm-hmm. So. I felt nice because now he came and he didn't hang out with his friends. He was hanging out with me. But then I noticed that he was very clingy because when I'm dancing, when I'm dancing, like, and when, like, someone else approaches me, he would get very, like, defensive. He would literally, like, walk up to them and be like, your dude, why are you, why are you trying to dance with her? Which... It was nice because I don't like to dance with guys. But then I'm like, he's so protective and he's not my boyfriend. Mm. So, but then... Was was that the first red flag for you? That maybe yeah. you ignored? Okay. Actually, I, at that point, I didn't ignore it because I talked about it later with my cousin. Yeah. Anyways, okay. I, I, I think a lot you, of times... A lot uh-huh. of times we there's red flags in the relationship early on, and so many yeah. times we ignore them. And those red flags are really they're important because it really shows us, kind of gives us a glimpse into the future, right? Really, yeah. so I actually agree with you. You know, I noticed it, but I ignored it. And then as we were dancing, at some point, um, he wasn't dancing; he was literally watching me dance. Oh, and I was wow. like, this is so creepy, but whatever, I like dancing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even want to touch me, so this works out perfectly for me. I don't oh, want to wow. be touched by a guy, and I want to dance. So if he's just watching me, he respects my space, so whatever. Yeah, oh, wow. and when other guys come up, I was just like, why is he being overprotective about me, and I'm not his girlfriend? I was just mm-hmm. thinking about that. Then it yeah. got to a point, I got tired of dancing. So I sat next to him, and we were talking. I really liked his boots. So I said, oh, I love your boots. And he said, well, yeah, thank you very much. They're actually quite expensive, you know. They would actually pay some part of your school fees. And I was like, wow, you're so rude. And he apologized. Mm -hmm. So then he came in at 1.30 a.m. at the festival. So around 4 a.m., I was just done with him being all protective and all that. So I lied to him that I'd left, but I hadn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which I know he's yeah. so because he was angry at me for like two months. He oh, didn't wow. talk to me again. Months. Yeah. So that I was just so like, so red flag number one was the protective. Then the red flag number two, he was watching you dancing, and then uh, number then, three, he mentioned his boots and how expensive they were, and he was actually implying they can pay part of my school fees. Like for yeah. me, that felt like belittling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely a sign of abuse. Someone would say, "What about what 
the boots. It's just he just made a, a dumb comment. But no, they a lot of times they use uh, people who are abusive will say things that are minimizing and belittling. Yeah. Um, or even like a way of kind of manipulating and controlling to say, mm-hmm. like, I have money to, you know, Should to pay. I actually agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And then the silent treatment is is such a um, is such a big one. You know, him being angry for so long and not talking to you for two months. That's that's a, a very bit another big one. Right. Yeah. yeah, and how so, like what like drew that, you back to him after that? Uh, yeah. So yeah. that was on the third of October, yeah. So October, and then in mid November, actually end of November, I think I I don't quite remember so well, but like it was almost two months later. I was in I was in town again, which I hate so much, and I know no one, and shamefully I was very hungry and broke, mm. and so I thought, you know what? This guy is going to buy me lunch. Why not? So I called him up. I'm like, hey. And he picks up. And he's like, oh, hey, how have you been? I'm like, I've been fine. How have you been? You've been so MIA. And so he tells me, oh, you know, I traveled up country. But yeah, where are you? I can see you. So then he takes me for lunch. And I was so happy because I was starving. I was starving mm-hmm. and so broke. So we had lunch. We talked about it. And he told me that he traveled up country, so he was off the grid and blah, 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 which now I know was a lie. So then I didn't give much thought into it, but I went home. And the Pope was coming. The Pope uh, was coming to Kenya at that time, so it was made a public holiday. I think it was, I don't remember when exactly the date was. No, I'm mixing up the dates. No, the Pope, the Pope came in August, and now I'm speaking of November. Sorry. So then after after our lunch, I went home, but you see, I knew very well that he hasn't spoken to me. And in my mind, I had even discussed it with my cousins that, oh, I think he saw me like with this other guy, but I'd lied to him that I'm leaving. And I left like three hours later. So I think he's mad at me for that. But then he didn't address it. He acted like he didn't know anything and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'm not going to take care of baggage that's too much for yeah. me. Anyway, so fast forward to how we got back to being friends again. So in December, my best friend came to Kenya. She's based in Australia. We went to school together, but she traveled to Australia to study, and now she settled there. So she came to Kenya, and uh, we needed a ride because one of our friends had bailed out on us. Mm -hmm. It was late. There was no Uber in their region because Uber Mm -hmm. was pretty new in Kenya at that time. So they were only covering the elite areas. Mm-hmm. So then at that time, they didn't have Uber. And um, my friend said, you know, I just call up that guy you were telling me about. We'll just manage him. So I called him up. Yeah. Yeah. I called him up. And you won't believe this, curry. I called him at like 9.30 p.m. By 10.30 p.m., he was there. Mm. But this time, he came with one friend. Cause he told me, cause he told me that I have to come with one of my friends who also was li- who lives out of town, so there's no way he'd bail out on him. So he came with his friend, and I remember my friends convincing me to go and uh, chill with him because they were getting their makeup done and all that. Yeah, so we I stayed with him for like two hours, and then we headed out for another party, mm-hmm. and it meant nothing at that time. But we ended mm-hmm. up during that December of 2015. Mm-hmm. He ended up being so 
around like present so much sure. in my life right. my friends liked him and they're like yeah. oh my god Mariam you're so mean yeah. this guy is yeah. head of our heels for you and he was treating him that way because he has a kid yeah. my yeah. god yeah. Yeah. This is and a, it was a, it was a long um process like so a year and six months like it wasn't like you were just you jumped into the relationship out of desperation or just just because the main thing that my friends yeah. actually now yes. January 2016 we started dating because when my friend was flying back she had told me you have been single for so long you have been acting like a nice girl for so long this guy is nice and I approve uh, my best friend is approved so I went for it so my best right. friend left left the country on the 15th of January mm-hmm. and by 17th I was dating this guy mm. we were in a relationship and when did you get married? Oh, good. June. <laughs> it felt amazing. Okay, so yeah. six months. June 2016, you got married. six months in, we got married. Okay. Just like that. Okay. We didn't even have a planned wedding. We just got married. Yeah. Okay. And how was how was your marriage in the beginning? How What was that like? Was it, in- did it start out, were you in a honeymoon phase? How long was that honeymoon phase? I don't, I think maybe because I don't have a lot of experience in relationships, I don't know what a honeymoon phase is because to date, if I see, just, I forget myself and I get all mesmerized and I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So I so don't understand today. what a honeymoon phase is. Yeah. Still today. Still today. Okay. okay. So, but I do know that within the first month of my marriage, because you remember, I knew he was of a protective. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that about him. I was a student leader at my campus. And um, I, con- I discontinued school because my sponsor had pulled out. Actually, that was another reason as why I got married. Because he really wanted to marry me. And I wasn't in school at that time. So I thought, why not marry this guy? You know, mm-hmm. he even promised to try and pay my school fees, which for me, I felt was not his responsibility. So I never really took it into my mind. Yeah. But then I was a student leader. So I used to organize a lot of events. We had the yearly... I would call it prom for you guys, but for us, we just call it Mr. and Miss and then the campus name. So for me, it was Mr. and Miss J. Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was selling the tickets because being that I'm a fourth year and I have discontinued classes, it was easier for me to sell the tickets because I don't have to please anyone to get into the other term. Because, right. you know, it's politics. Everyone yeah. else was shying away from that responsibility because everybody then wants free free tickets and all that. Right. But with right. me, I was like, I'm gonna be the ticket person because <laughs> I don't need anyone to vote for me next time. Yes. Anyway, yes. so <laughs> I told him about it and I was like, you know, I really would want you to come for this event, but knowing you, you might get angry because mm-hmm. yeah, so many guys at my campus when they get drunk, they have no like they have no chills and I'm not going to wear, I'm not going to wear a scarf when I go there. I was in a very short dress. So I was going to look nice and, you know, people are drunk. So the compliments I knew because already knowing beforehand, he's a very overprotective person. I knew he wouldn't like it. So I told him, mm-hmm. you know, baby, I don't think you will like it. Please just don't get angry or something. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to get angry, don't come. So let me, I have a question about that. So was that in the first month of your marriage that that happened? Yeah, in the first month. So 
So in that first month, did anything else, did anything else happen that, or you just knew from the last time that he was protective? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because also there's a time we'd gone out and I was giving my phone number to a guy at the club whom I went to campus with and liked my cousin. So this guy was like, yo, Mariam, I need you to hook me up with so-and-so. So yeah, and I'm like, he's like, do I still have your number? I'm like, I'm not sure, but let's check. So and then I didn't introduce the guy to him. So he thought, yeah, you're picking other guy's numbers when I'm there with you. And da, 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 da. Well, so I took responsibility because here that happens a lot. And so many girls do that to their boyfriends and they end up sleeping with the other guy. And so I took responsibility for it. But I remember he was so angry. So I knew he's an angry person, mm-hmm. but he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything drastic. He was just so angry right. and he was like, ready to go home and leave me behind. And I was like, we were, we were not married at that time. We were dating, but I was sleeping over at his house that day. So okay. it was a weekend and we'd gone out with my sister and my cousin. So when that happened, I just told my cousins, yo guys, I cannot chill with you anymore because yeah, you know, I did like what I've done as I've upset him and I, I, don't want, I don't want him to sleep angry. So I knew he's an angry person. So did you, do you think that you, did you have uh, fear? Like, were you afraid of him? Do you think it stemmed yeah. maybe? Okay. Wasn't okay. at all. Like, I just thought it's normal because everybody has their own like issues. You know, like he'd never like abused me or said something disrespectful to me. If anything, I'm a very loud person. Yeah. I talk a lot. I'm very expressive. Yeah. And he's right. the other side. Like, he's very calm and composed. Oh, yeah. He gets angry, yes, but yeah. I've never seen him hit anyone or abuse mm-hmm. anyone. He would just right. maybe say something mean, but not very abusive. Like I get angry and I get my outburst sometimes. So that's right. how I looked at it. Did he remind you, uh, did his personality remind you of your father's at all? Not at all because my father was a drunk. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a drunk, but now that I have more insight to it, he's addicted to marijuana. Okay. So it's just that with marijuana, you know, you're not, staggering everywhere and not right. everyone knows you're high so it looks right. okay right yeah, so, it's, he, so he had a, the addictive he had an addiction problem there. yes mm-hmm. yes yeah. okay so so you go to this um event you sell the tickets does he did he go to the event Oh, yeah, he came. Yeah. He actually brought okay. me my clothes. Like, I told him what to pick out for me, the shoes, the earrings, the dress. Uh-huh. And we went somewhere, and, like, we, I got a changing room because the venue, I was setting it up, and I changed, and he was there with me the whole time. Like, oh, baby, you look so nice. Wow. And I'm like, don't don't get angry. Yes. And he's like, yeah, I won't. I won't get angry. So then we... So we get to selling the tickets and he's by my side the whole time. And guys will be like, oh, wow, you look so nice. Wow. And we're like, yeah, thank you. Moving on. And because we talked about it with my partner, like we talked right. about it, that that's what they would say. Right. And in my mind, I'm thinking he's as sober minded as I am. Like I will accept something. And, you know, it's just that because he's there by my side. It's not like I'm cheating right. or something. I'm not encouraging it. Right. So then... By around, because the event started at 8 p.m., so at around 12 a.m., like everybody was in, and actually around 11 p.m., 11.30 p.m., everybody was in, and I stopped doing the tickets counter, and I went now in to now be part of the event. 
at that point I'd actually organized for one of his friends who does music to perform also so they were getting paid I was organizing now for that but then I was sitting in the VIP area and my my how do I call it the the person that I su- succeeded the position from we had invited her and she's a daughter of a high renowned person in my country and uh, she was dating this guy who also was getting into politics at that time so that like, they're quite elite and we were seated around the same table so then of course I'm married now everybody's surprised I'm married because I'd never even dated to start with right. so they're like oh my god this is your husband no, no. Yes. and everybody's excited so then he had to pick a call and left the VIP area so on getting back the bouncer stopped him and that's when it all began because mm. when the bouncer stopped him he had so much attitude and there was an altercation between him and the bouncer and i knew this is the anger here it goes so then i was like yo stop it like can you not cause a scene like this is my event don't embarrass me here like i told we talked about this anger issue it's like no i know this bouncer he's so rude and he has a history with music and party he's such a he was a wild person So when he said that he knows him I was like fine it's okay if you know someone else but that doesn't warrant you to actually behave that way and it's normal mm-hmm. if you leave the VIP lounge area when you come back you have to verify right so then right he was like no I'm leaving so he went and stood elsewhere it was a big area like the area has several restaurants so when he went to a different restaurant that was at that time closed so mm-hmm. he was alone and i walked up to him because now i wasn't comfortable like um, with my husband everybody's excited to see us and now he's angry right. so i walked up to him and i'm like yo baby what's up like we talked about this what's wrong he's like no my mood is actually ruined i actually i'm going to go home and i'm like so for me that was wait you're going to go home we're like we're like one hour by car away from the house oh, you right. have a car It's right. 1 a.m. actually around 1:30 a.m. you mm-hmm. want to leave and leave me your wife behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does not add up. So mm-hmm. you cannot go with the car and leave me. Like I cannot Uber home. Like you're right. my husband. I you wanted to be here. So fine, let's leave. So as we're leaving, actually I, I didn't even enjoy myself. So cuz now you know damage control. So then as right. I'm leaving He was so angry and he started bringing about how everyone was complimenting me and how I was all over the place and not giving him attention. And he's like, "Yo, listen, yeah, I cannot do this. Are you a baby? Right. No, right. you're not." And you and you were running an event, right? It was you exactly. were in charge. Like, yes. You have run an event before like I was just uh, talking to him as an adult. So I'm like, "Yo, mm-hmm. baby, you have run an event before. You know what it's like. You were with me the entire time." How can you say that I didn't give you attention? And no, you know you like it's like you love attention from other people more than me. And so I was just like mm-hmm. I was like I'm going to get out of this car. If this is a discussion that's going to go on here, I'm going to get out of this car and I will own this. Maybe how I communicated, I was so angry also. I was just like mm-hmm. this is so immature and I was just feeling frustrated. I didn't talk to him with a come tone and also my nature i have a very strict voice i don't know how to be like hi you know i don't know how to do this 
No, I have a very but, strict voice. Like, I'm, I just don't know how to be sweet. No, yes. I don't know. But, you know, I think that you've been able to survive, I think, because of your strength and because of your voice. Exactly. And that has exactly. been probably has has saved you in a lot of ways. So that's, exactly. that's a good, great thing. So when was the first time he hit you? Yeah, so the first time he hit me, so that time we had an incident that, that that first time, but it wasn't physical. It was more of being, being dramatic, and I walked out of the car, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going with you anyway if you're going to be angry at me for nothing. So then it calmed down. Then we had another incident, another, like three more incidents where like, they were escalating, although for me at that time, I didn't look at it that way because in our culture, it's very normal for like marital squabbles. It's very normal. People take it like it's normal. So mm -hmm. I was actually not talking about it. So the first time was three months into our marriage. Mm -hmm. I had left the house. I'd gone to visit my auntie and cousins. Mm -hmm. And so I was running late to get home. So I couldn't cook. And I called him. I'm like, yo, baby, um, are you going to like order something? I will pay for it because it's abrupt and I'm supposed to be cooking. So then I explained to him that I'm with my cousin. She's going through something. She needs to talk about it. He's like, okay, fine. So that was like 6 p.m. So then I got home at 9 p.m. And he was curled up on the chair, not talking to me. And he'd not made an order. Like, he'd not ordered food. And we're living in the outskirts of town. So then I'm like, yo, like, why haven't you ordered food? Mm -hmm. he, he's like, where have you been? That, that's you. You should have done that. And so I'm like come on, like, because I know he's an angry person at that time. I kind of tried to watch my tone, so mm -hmm. I didn't respond. I just, in my head, I was like, come on. So I just, I took the phone and I was making orders. So then they say they're all closing. They cannot make the drop off at that time. Mm -hmm. They don't make deliveries. It's too late to take any orders. Mm -hmm. So then I say to him, you know, like, they're not taking deliveries. Sorry, they're not taking orders because it's too late to make deliveries. Mm -hmm. And then he said, well, that's your issue. Mm -hmm. I just felt, yeah, he's looking for a fight because he's mm -hmm. an angry person. This is him looking for a fight. So I ignored it. I tried to cook up something. I had some minced meat, which he had burnt because he didn't watch it over it. So it burnt. Mm -hmm. I tried to scoop the top part of it and make something out of it. And he was like, no, I'm not eating that. I'm not hungry. And so I went to the bedroom and... Quite honestly, I had issues at that time too. So then I got I got so mad. I'm like, what's wrong with this person? Like we talked like hours mm -hmm. before like order food, I will pay for it. Like I took responsibility. Right. But why is he angry? Like I just it didn't mm -hmm. add up in my mind. So then I was using I was using this cheap phone, mm -hmm. like twenty dollars worth. Mm -hmm. So then I also had issues, really. I banged it on the floor. Mm -hmm. I went to him and I banged the phone on the floor and I was like, you know what? You're just so selfish. I don't understand how you're angry at me and we are sleeping hungry after telling you hours ago to make an order and now it's my fault somehow and you don't want to talk to me. Like, that's not cool, man. You're my husband. You're supposed to be my friend. I can't come home to this. I don't want this. Oh, yeah. So me dropping that phone was the beginning of hell. Mm -hmm. because um, it turned out into something else. But it's shaking mm -hmm. me and like, do you know how much that phone costs? You're wasting resources. And, blah, blah, blah. 
And in my mind, I'm like, what resources? It's $20. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And like, you see how rude you are? And then I'm like, I'm going to pay it up. So I was, it was like the worst time for me to showcase my strength mm-hmm. because it's pushing me around. And it just, for me, mm-hmm. it tapped into my like abusive childhood. And even when I speak about it now, it just reminds me. So it's like, what is he doing? Like, why is he behaving this way? Like, mm-hmm. I've lived all my life independently. And mm-hmm. then I choose someone to marry me. And then he gives me the same bullshit. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm packing my shit. I'm leaving. So I'm going to pause this episode here. This is going to be the end of part one. Part two will be available to you also. Uh, This is um, a long episode. We had a wonderful conversation and this is something that has um, served my guest in a big way and I'm uh, so happy that we were able to to have this interview. I'm so grateful for her. Her story is a powerful one and um, it's a powerful story of, you know, restoration and how she has restored herself. So stay tuned and come back for part two. Thank you so much for listening. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. And again, that's 1-800-799-SAFE. 7233. Please be sure that you use this number if you need it or that you share it with someone that may need it. Unfortunately, when I went to look for a domestic violence hotline in Kenya, there was none. Um, I did confirm this with my guest. Uh, The closest uh, location that has a domestic violence hotline is Nigeria which unfortunately is 10 hours away from Kenya. So this is just a country that we could be praying for um, as domestic violence is um, very common there in in that country. So uh, we can just be lifting them up in prayer. Thank you so much for listening to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. I hope that I have served you on the highest level. And if I have, please be sure to share this episode and give me a great rating on iTunes so that I can continue to serve you and others. Now head on over to my website and grab your free copy of the first chapter of my book called Recreate Your Love. It's coming out soon. My website is www.passion4visions.com. And while you're there, go ahead and check out more of my services. My heart is always to serve you with much love. Have an amazing week and be sure to head back next week for our next episode. Please understand that anything shared on my show, the Rebuilding Relationships podcast, is intended to give you tips, tools, and strategies to help you transform your relationships and your life. While I am a certified coach, I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. So please be sure to seek professional medical advice when you feel necessary. Take care.